Welcome back to the mailroom where we interview aspiring entertainment industry professionals. I'm Steven. My name is Tyler. My name is Ross. And this is episode two. We have Justin Dickerson as a guest. He is a COVID compliance PA on the show Players. It's an upcoming comedy TV show. I thought it was a great interview. It was, Steve. Did you know what a COVID compliance officer even meant? I mean, I did, but... but if you asked me two years ago, I would have said, no, I, I have no idea. I, because the position just didn't exist. Wasn't a thing. It's a completely new position in the entertainment industry, and we cover all of it. I think it's so interesting. Yeah, just, Justin's at the forefront. He's done a good job of, of networking, and he's got some cool stories. Oh, he's got some cool stories for sure. Uh, Conan O'Brien, some crazy story that happened when we were interning together at Atlas Entertainment. I still can't believe that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you'll hear it. You'll hear it. (laughs) I mean, what are we waiting for? Let's get right into it. Stay tuned. Welcome to the mailroom. Say your full name. Who are you? Introduce yourself. uh, My name is Justin Dickerson. Um, I have been out in LA for about the last year. And as he said, I am a COVID compliance PA on the show Players. And uh, yeah, happy to be here. Happy to talk about stuff. Of course. And I'm happy to have you here as well. Yeah. I think we should just get right into it because there's probably a lot of questions around what is a COVID compliance PA and... Yeah, just go right into that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so the gist of the COVID compliance PA gig is you're just you're telling people to put their mask on over and over and over again. Um, but it's basically just making sure everyone's complying with all the rules, you know, like six feet and like you got to have like certain places to eat snacks and all that fun stuff. And people don't like to wear their masks as much as you think. You need goggles if the actors don't have their masks on it's just it's a whole shindig of fun yeah i've been doing it for what three weeks now basically you're you're the the newest lowest branch in the filming hierarchy which is a lot of fun you know (laughs) so i guess it used to be Mm pre-pandemic that the production assistant yes the lowest branch there it is now us and we they, are now the punching bags punching bags. right so covid comes into play and they yep. say hey let's let's make it even harder to mm-hmm. become a production assistant yeah so they have now basically made prereqs to being a pa which is great the position did not exist so there's a lot of improvisation going on with it um even now a year in but it's it's something. Are there any specific questions you have about it? Or do you just want me to tell about my experience so far? Oh, I would love to hear. I mean, do you have any stories? That oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so I can't talk about too much with players, but I can talk about uh, my perspective specifically with it, which has been, um, as I said, a lot of people don't like wearing masks and they don't understand why, which is kind of funny after a year of uh, you know, COVID being a thing. Um, but basically when I got involved, I showed up the first day and of course it's a nightmare. There's just so much happening. So many people just freaking out, not knowing what's going on. Um, cause everyone just wanted to get to their job that they know how to do, but they have to go through me first. Who's checking them in, but I don't know how to do that cause I just showed up. And so I'm trying to figure it out. Um, but basically we're getting into it and, uh, 
our boss, we realized very quickly, did not know what he was doing. So he uh, he he was very quickly <laughs> removed uh, from the staff after about two days. Um, there was a point on the second day. The entire reason I was hired was basically to tell people to put their masks on. Mm-hmm. That's the gist. Um, and <laughs> the second day in, he walks up to us and he hasn't really done anything this entire time. And he just goes, hey, guys, I don't know if you know this, but... Um, if you see anybody without their mask, you should probably, you know, tell them to put it on. And we just, we just kind of stared at him. We were like, "Isn't that, isn't that why you hired us?" And he was just like, "Yeah, yeah. I mean, just like, just do your best, and uh, you know, make sure people are doing their business." And then I never saw him again. So, and then we got uh, the exact opposite of that with my new boss, who usually runs the COVID show for CBS. Mm-hmm. Like she. She hires the people that are in the CCO position, the COVID compliance officer position, who are my boss. So she comes to set, she's never been on set before, and she just has all the rules for us, which is just so fun. And when she first showed up to set, she pulled out a tape measure on me, and she was like, hey, do you know what six feet looks like? Because I was standing next to her. (laughs) And then she just kind of pokes me away with it. But yeah, it's just been a lot of rules and guidelines and things I don't always understand. But it is my position, I guess. And I get paid to do it. So I can't complain too much. It really can. I mean, at the end of the day, I I assume you moved out here with the goal of trying to be a production assistant. Yeah, so that's that's still the goal. Um, I've been out here for about a year now. And I've been getting a lot of unpaid stuff, uh, fair warning, uh, younger people listening, you, people don't like to pay you when you first get here. Uh, they will avoid that at, at all costs. That's something to be aware of when you first get out of here. But basically I was taking a lot of short film gigs. Just uh, I did like a promo shoot with the Muppets for like a day. That was kind of cute. Um, that was one of the few paid things I got, but it's just, it's a lot of one day, two day, three day things until you kind of can build your resume up enough to get somebody to take a chance on you. And then uh, you're just kind of going from there. But basically, especially moving out here in the pandemic, there was nothing when I first started. I was just doing, um, I managed to get a gig through my, my roommate who uh, allowed me to, do some spreadsheet work for a documentary he was working on because he's already been out here for a year and uh it's the the george carlin documentary that's coming out okay so they basically i'd work like three days a week they'd give me just printouts of what his calendar was like just like downloaded pictures of them basically i took all of these calendar pages and just wrote them in to a spreadsheet so basically from the years 1960 to 19, I think 85, mm-hmm. I just wrote down everything he said in, in his planner for the day. Wow. Which is kind of cool. I mean, that's definitely helpful for the documentary. Yeah, it was great, I'm but sure. it was just like a lot of, that was basically all that existed in terms of job opportunities. It really just seems like you've done a lot of odd jobs in entertainment and finally you're able to land yeah. this health and safety Mm-hmm. type of position and I, I do want to ask because it is very interesting mm-hmm. what is your perspective because I, I mean at least from my standpoint I would think that it's probably best for a COVID compliance officer to be someone that wants to be a health and safety mm-hmm. officer at the long run so having this now as the new entry-level job like do you think that is a good thing for the entertainment industry to be doing are you still getting that experience of seeing what a set is like and, and 
well, it will make you a better PA and mm -hmm. so on because of it or? Yeah, it's actually really interesting because the CCOs, the COVID compliance officers are usually just health and safety people. Like mm -hmm. they, they don't always work in film. They work in all sorts of different industries. Like uh, my boss was on like an oil rig recently oh, wow. and stuff like that. Um, so they are coming at it from that standpoint because they're very interested in that avenue of like safety and all that. And then they're hiring kids like us who just want to be like filmmakers and little creative people. Um, and they don't quite understand that we just want to like talk to people on set and get to know them. So my boss has done quite a few things to make sure that like we're as separated as possible <laughs> by like giving us these big green vests and like, uh, uh, just getting really annoyed with us anytime we try to talk. But it is kind of a, a cool way to get your foot in the door in the industry because you don't necessarily have the pressure that PA does because PAs are basically the scapegoats for everything that goes wrong. Mm. Um, but you do have the opportunity if you're on set to just basically be a fly on the wall. And uh, I've been listening to the PAs talk with the ADs all the time. Um, the assistant directors are just uh, giving them instructions. And uh, one of the PAs is kind of new. So I've been kind of talking to her a lot about her perspective on it. And so, and a lot of the PAs on the show were COVID PAs. So it's kind of becoming a stepping stone of sorts into getting in now nowadays, which is kind of a weird step. And have you've seen that firsthand of COVID PAs moving up? Yeah, yeah, like uh, one of the current PAs was uh, a COVID PA recently on like one of the Marvel movies. Awesome. And so a lot of the times people say that you can kind of get stuck only getting COVID PA things. It's just a matter of finding someone willing to go, okay, I think you can make the jump to set PA. And doing that is the best route, going up to people on set and like being friendly and trying yeah. to introduce yourself. And yeah, it's just a matter of trying to find the right moment to get yourself in there. Because um, it's a lot of waiting and listening and you don't necessarily want to get in their way, but you, if you just find that moment to say something either kind or just like make yourself known as a person, maybe go out of your way, maybe give them like a portable charger or something for their phone. Uh, they remember stuff like that. And then um, eventually you stop being a green vest and you start having a name and they will ask you to do more things. Like now I'll, I'll, uh, I'll like lock up sets and stuff like do when I can, I'll sneak in and do like kind of normal PA things. I also want to say that the way I got this job is kind of how the entire industry works as a whole. It's basically just who you know is so much more important than they originally implied in college. Mm -hmm. um, it's so much of the industry is who you know, and that's how you get jobs. Like I happened to meet somebody in Michigan, uh, which is where I'm from, and uh, meeting her was great because she just kind of like knew my parents, like their parents knew each other, so I met her. She works on the show Yellowstone. And so I've been talking to her for a little while, seeing if she can like kind of help me out, sneak in somewhere. Um, and then she gave me the email of this guy named DJ, uh, his name's DJ Carter, very, very nice man. I just kind of cold emailed him and was like, hey, like, uh, my name's Justin, I want to be a PA in the industry, like, um, and like, I heard you from Michigan. And so we just kind of struck up a conversation. Nicest person in the world. And uh, he mentioned like three months after first meeting him that he's like, hey, I'm ADing on the show and they need a uh, COVID PAs. 
And so I was like, oh, that'd be amazing. And he's like, yeah, I already, I already like mentioned your name to him. And that's just how it works. Like it's, it's so rarely just I applied and they interviewed me. Like I, uh, I had this, um, there's this website called Staff Me Up mm -hmm. that is basically for people like you throwing your resume. It's like LinkedIn basically. Um, and you can kind of look for PA jobs that way. And I think I got, I've had the subscription service for six months and I think I got one job out of it. And, and it, how many do you think you applied to during that time? Oh, hundreds. Oh my goodness. And it was, the job I got was a nightmare. Like I was, <laughs> I was a, a teleprompter operator in a live show and they just gave me a phone app like that I had to pay for. And then they weren't paying me a normal PA rate. They were paying me less, even though I was doing a job above a PA. And then uh, the app didn't work. The live show was like poorly run. The app would crash if you like didn't hold the screen long enough. Mm -hmm. So it'd just be crashing on air and I'd have to fix it live. And, then, oh, and so like there was a point where the app crashed and we had like eight seconds before we were coming back and I was just like freaking out trying to do it. And they're like, all right, like get him the paper like so he can read the script that way. And then I was like, I got it with like zero seconds. And then I walked away just like, incredibly stressed out and they're like that's what we pay you for and i'm like it's not but okay um and it's just like bullshit like that and then you say thank you and you walk away and you're like please hire me again because you're poor and you need money um but i don't want to be cynical either because it's once you get the jobs it can be really really fun it's just it's so hard to get in there right it is it's important to remember to to be very uh, appreciative of what we're doing mm -hmm. that we are out here yeah but, yeah. but I, I do agree when it comes to some tough yeah. jobs like that one the the uh, number one piece of advice I've been given and I give other people who are like trying to come out here and like mm -hmm. do stuff um it's it's very hard to just that first job that first like real job I didn't get it until a year in and I'm just now doing it um it's it's just patience patience is like everything and it's you're not going to get good paying or paying period gigs for a long time. And that's that's okay. You might have to do like DoorDash or something. Um, I did that a little bit. And like, I also am like incredibly privileged and have nice parents who are willing to like help me out, get out here. Mm -hmm. And uh, I basically, I was thinking about going to like grad school or like film school. And instead I chose to move out because um, foolishly i was like oh, i have the conan internship under my belt right, and like atlas yeah and i was like this will work and it doesn't but it's just it's a lot of patience and sometimes it really feels like you're not going anywhere but then the next day you can get like a, an email saying like hey like we have an open spot if you want to sneak in and stuff like that and it's just yeah it's it's a lot of waiting patiently and then doing your best like zero to a hundred really fast um but yeah right i mean it seems like how confident do you feel that this position is going to keep you getting jobs after it's done uh, do you think you've been networking enough on on set to yeah make some connections there how do you feel i'm really i'm choosing to be really optimistic about it um the uh i'm sorry i'm scooching away from the mic but uh <laughs> The a lot of the people on the show worked on stuff like the morning show and uh, uh, like you said, Dave and like a few other things. And um, I'm hoping since I have like a full two months with these guys, which is the longest I've had with any crew, I can like talk to them enough. And when did it start? 
It started uh, end of August, so and it goes. You've had a whole another two months. Yeah, yeah. yeah it goes to the end of October. It's amazing. Yeah, and so it's a lot of time to like actually talk to the people, and like they go, "Oh, I got a new thing coming up," and you're like, "Hey, if you need help, like," and uh, there's just like they're all like really kind too, and so like some sets people are kind of standoffish with the the PAs and the COVID, especially the COVID PAs. Um, other sets are. Uh, uh, a lot more forgiving and a lot more patient with you and they're willing to give you their time and so take advantage if you ever get on a set like that um and so that's kind of what i'm on right now it's a little hectic but it's 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 been really good and and let's i want to talk about the material a little bit too so mm-hmm. what you're working on the players i'm assuming it's a comedy right yeah oh yeah i can i can tell you the synopsis sure. um so basically it's in the vein of the documentary the last dance michael jordan documentary and it's uh about an esports team who played league of legends and it's basically about like one veteran who's like 27 and then dealing with like a newcomer who's like 17. And it's about like their rise and fall and rise again in the esports uh, world. That's really funny. Yeah. And it's it's like full mockumentary style. So we've been doing like a lot of interview shoots and like a lot of like fancy houses and stuff like that. And it's it's really cool. Uh, it's going to it's I think it's going to be sweet. And I don't like have to say that because I'm working on it. But like I've just from what I've seen, I think it's going to be pretty good and in terms of creative i, I know you uh, mm-hmm. like to be creative at times which i'm sure we'll get into mm-hmm. but have you learned anything just from watching these people direct or the showrunners on set yeah uh whenever i get on set um which we do a lot of rotations with the COVID pas but whenever i manage to get on there i really like to listen to how tony Yacenda works um he's the director of the show and also the creator i just like hearing how he kind of goes about things like he like is really patient and they do like these really long takes. And so he's really patient with his actors. He knows how to communicate with them and he like really has an understanding of them. So it's been really cool to hear like how he gives notes and like when he feels it's appropriate to interrupt mm-hmm. and like he can really read his actors and if they're getting it or not. And uh, he, he also has a really good way of like kind of keeping it upbeat, even if it's like they're like getting frustrated that they're not getting it or something. And uh, so I've been really liking, I love like watching stuff like that. Um, Cause eventually the dream for me is to be a director someday. So I really uh, love paying attention to things like that. Would you say that, cause I'm, I'm sure a lot of people are graduate college and somewhat torn of like, oh, should I move out now? Or should I like keep honing my craft? Mm-hmm. And do you feel just being on set and witnessing that is a grad school in itself? Or are you learning enough to you think just being in the presence of these directors and writers and creative people, is that enough or even better than going to somewhere like an AFI or- Yeah, uh, the, yeah, it's it's a very different experience. I'm, I've like talked with my parents about this and we're basically treating this as my like grad school. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people have said like, and I've even seen you just you learn so much so fast on sets. The entire reason people would want to go to grad school, or at least the reason you should go to grad school, is for connections. Because people will hire you straight out of there who used to go there. And like it's all if you're willing to pay and put in like the extra two years, like you're paying for connections basically, and you're paying for a way in. Um, because a lot of people like to take people from schools they went to. Uh, which is something I've learned. The way I am going about it and the way you're going about it uh, is kind of, 
a more improvisational approach and it's just kind of like you're running in as fast as you can and you're hoping you can find something that sticks um and it's it can arguably be more frustrating because uh, you not you don't necessarily have the the skills some of these kids have like i i did a few afi projects last month and like all these kids are like my age or a little bit older and they know all these things and i'm just it can be frustrating because right. you feel like you you might be a little bit behind or something. But it's and just when you say all these things, like, do you mean lenses and, and like yeah, like I I was in the art department, funny enough, which I'm because I'm not an art person, but like I was working a lot with the the grips and the camera crew, and it's just like they know how to light a scene in just the right way, mm -hmm. and like they know what all these things are. Like I knew what like flags, C stands, like combos. I knew what all of it was. It's just like they have it so locked down, and they can be like, hey, give me like an unbleached muzzle and like someone runs away and comes back with this like giant white sheet and I'm like oh that's what that's called that's and all gibberish so, to me I couldn't tell you yeah and so it's that. just it's so many terms that you just you're trying to remember as best you can and uh that's kind of the nice part about being on set is you can just ask and they're like oh yeah happy to tell you because people love talking about things they know and so that's the best part is I can just ask as many questions as I want um, it's just a matter of knowing when to ask it. Yes, and I mean, in terms of networking with people, I would mm. assume there is a little irony associated with it as well because you are a COVID PA, so you're supposed to be keeping that distance from people. Mm -hmm. So even if that moment does come, how do you go about approaching people in a safe and respectable manner? Yeah, it. Uh, you keep six feet. Uh, <laughs> It's kind of the same as being a PA. You just kind of find that moment where you can sneak in and be like, hey, like, I'm a person. You know that I'm not very experienced to like. And then you just kind of ask them like one question. Do like, you have a specific story? Of yeah. The, uh, I mean, like I was I was standing off to the side and uh, I had these things called Z shields, which are for the actors. And they're basically just like giant plates of plastic so that they don't have to wear masks, but they can still walk around. And so I just took it from the main actor and I was standing off to the side and one of the camera guys like was setting up these giant like stands that had nothing on them except for like these just metal plates. Right before the scene started, I was just like, hey, like what are those? What do they do? And he explained that it was like for wireless transmission of data for the camera. So like they can send it to Video Village to the like DIT, who's the guy who does all the data wrangling mm -hmm. and like it's just all instantaneous. And so he was just like positioning them so they're pointed at the camera. It's basically just an antenna. And I was like, oh, okay, didn't know that. And then I walked away. And <laughs> it's just a lot of sneaking in and just asking like one thing like, hey, uh, like to the mic guy, like, why are you holding it that way? And he's like, oh, well, if you hold it upside down, then you could get sound like bouncing off the ceiling and you don't want that. So you got to hold it up. And mm. um, so you are getting some of that technical yeah, it's, education as well. Yeah, because people love answering things like that because they've been doing this for like 30 years. Mm -hmm. So they're all experts. And so you can just ask them like simple things. And uh, my knowledge mainly comes from like camera stuff. So I love talking to like the camera people. I'm like, oh, that's like a sweet lens. Like uh or like hey why are we shooting in 48 today because usually shows shoot in like 24 or 30 frames per second mm -hmm. and so they're like oh yeah we're gonna do slow motion so you shoot twice as many frames in order to slow it down later oh, that's, this is all valuable information everybody you're, <laughs> you're listening it's like you're being on set yeah and uh i'm trying to think of other like good examples that i've learned um so you don't have to uh on this set it's been a lot of me 
politely asking the grips to just please put their masks on. Grips, the, their lighting department. Yeah, grips are uh, basically, so there's the gaffer who is the head of the lighting department. Mm -hmm. And then the grips, what one of the grips told me is basically like the gaffer adds all the light. They just flood the scene with light. The grips job is to take it away. They basically add shadow. Mm, interesting. That's how someone described it to me once. And I've never heard it described that way since, but it like makes sense to me in a way. Because they basically just bring it in and then they're coming in with all these flags and like blocking off light and making it look really nice. It's very interesting trying to get as much information as you can while also being a fly on the wall. That's great. I mean, yeah. it seems like even though it's maybe not the most uh, glamorous position or, or oh, what you would have not. wanted to be doing, you're still getting that education, mm -hmm. you're still meeting those people, mm -hmm. and hopefully this will lead to something in the direction of, of being a director. Yeah, and like, uh, it's funny, they never describe like how to go from PA to director, like there's no path. A lot of people say you wanna be an assistant director, mm -hmm. which isn't necessarily true because assistant director is an entire career path in itself, right. and it's very, very different from what directors do. They're they're all in, in charge of like scheduling and coordination. And you, you wanna explain what a assistant director is there? Yeah, yeah, and so uh, like the, we have like five assistant directors on on players, and they are basically in charge of making the call sheets and organizing the the crew and cast on set, and they kind of coordinate with producers mm -hmm. and things like that. And uh, they're basically the go between between the higher ups and like the actual crews, and so they're just full coordination, having a death grip on the crew, keeping it all together. Yeah, so everyone says you want to get like into the DGA and then become an assistant director, but mm -hmm. that can be an end goal in itself. And so my theory is, is that you want to be a PA for a while and then eventually become like a director's assistant, which is different from an assistant director. Right, you, an assistant to the director. Yeah. Yes, uh, kind of like an office joke. Yeah, like assistant to the regional manager, which is the director in this case. But the... Uh, and then, but that is at the end of the day, it will be a little better than becoming an assistant director because you'll just be basically in the mix with that director. Yeah, you'll, you're basically the the director's protege at that point, and you're just kind of running around doing whatever they need. You're scheduling for them specifically at that point. Oh, one of the things, um, one of the PA things I heard on set that I was listening to was uh, when you show up, the assistant director was telling the PA like. When you show up, you need to make sure you know where like crafty is, where background holding is, where like you lock down where all of these things are. So if anybody asks you, you can like just immediately point and uh, you have like the answers. So as a set PA, it's a lot of being proactive and like knowing the information ahead of time so you can get ahead of like any issues you might have. Um, that was a really valuable one. Yeah, and I'm sure this is great experience of just seeing, like for me, I, I've never, PA'd on the set in my life. Mm -hmm. And there was a time where I was looking for production assistant jobs mm -hmm. and I was never able to get any mm -hmm. because they asked if I had any experience. I said no. Yeah. And nobody wants to nope. hire somebody that has yeah. no idea the protocol. Yeah. But the way now you know all of it. Yeah. The way I got that first job, the first job I ever got was back in April mm -hmm. uh, on a short film. And the way I got it was my roommate sent me uh, an Instagram post from a friend of his who was reposting a friend of theirs. And it basically just said, hey, we need like a PA for three days for a short film. And I had never done any PA things, but I basically just emailed this dude and I was like, hey, and it was all like really well written, fancy cover letter. And then uh, I sent my resume, which had nothing on it. It had Conan, and which looks nice. And it had uh, Atlas, which we did together. Yes. And I just, just like, whatever, maybe he emails back. And then 
two days later, he's like, thank you for sending this. Uh, my people will be in touch. And I go, okay, so maybe I get an interview. Okay, like, here we go. What turned out what that meant is I got the job. And so like two days later, I get a call sheet and then I show up this, on my birthday uh, to set. And then uh, I just worked that weekend and they were just like really cool about it. And I've gotten a few jobs from that one since. Right, because you have, because, uh, because of the people you met there? Or because yeah, because of the people I met there. I ended up like kind of becoming buddies with the, the gaffer on that sh uh, short film. Mm -hmm. And he was teaching me a bunch of stuff that weekend um, about like equipment, things that I had no idea about. And uh, I've done a few things with them since. Uh, that job also led to my uh, job on an indie film that I was doing on the weekends that was unpaid and like really guerrilla style filmmaking, like just running around with a crew of like 10 people, just doing all sorts of stuff. And then um, uh, that was an experience. <laughs> well, I mean, that all sounds great. I mean, you've had a bunch of experience mm -hmm. of, of doing a lot. And now hopefully this will lead you in the right direction of eventually PA to eventually becoming assistant to a director. Yeah, something like that would be cool. Creating something of your own. Yeah. But yeah. Um, a lot of listeners are college kids i want to know a little bit about what you were up to in college that led you to moving out here mm -hmm. talk about where you went talk about some of those internships and yeah 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 i would love to hear it. uh so in college i studied like communications i was a communications major and i studied i focused in filmmaking so i was basically trying to get into all of the filmmaking classes you possibly could. And where was that? that was uh, I went to Michigan State. Mm -hmm. And um, how was their program? Is it? It's it no longer exists. Oh, I was the last uh, class to take it. Um, Interesting. <laughs> they've combined with journalism since then. Gotcha. Which uh, is a bummer because they had some cool stuff there. But uh, yeah, you just um, I studied as much as I could in the time I was there. But in 2018. I was trapped in one of the buildings during a snowstorm. And uh, I happened to meet this guy named Nick Santafonte, mm. who is the production coordinator at Conan. Oh, wow. And uh, we started chatting. And, Thank uh, God for that snowstorm. I know. And uh, he was like, yeah, like I used to go here, so I'm here visiting, uh, talking to some kids. And I was like, oh, it's great. Like, uh, I was like, yeah, I came here. He's like, oh, like, where are you from? And I was like, Clarkston. And he's like, I also like went to Clarkston High School. And I was like, oh, my God. And so we hit it off from there. And then he was like, yeah, send me your, your resume, which had nothing on it. I think I had lawn care service on there and maybe like <laughs> one shitty am i allowed to swear on this <laughs> yeah yeah okay <laughs> i had like one shitty um uh like car commercial that i did for a guy where i just held like a gopro and did nothing else um and so i sent that to him and he was just like yep uh you're hired and so i became an intern at conan o'brien's late night show uh that summer and that also goes back to my point that it's all coincidence and all people you know i think on that show only one person uh, actually genuinely applied and then received an interview and then got the job. Everyone else was people. Everyone else, uh, either their dad was a producer on the show, their dad like knew Conan. Uh, it was all connections, and wow. including myself, basically, and since this, I met that guy. And so what year is this? This is 2018. It's going into your... This is going into my junior year. Okay, yep. so, and then you so came that out summer. here for the summer. Came out here for the summer, had... Uh, no car um so i bought a shitty bike from walmart uh and the brakes didn't wow, work on that's it really interesting. Uh, <laughs> uh so i biked to work every morning and and where were you living 
I was in Burbank. And so okay, the show was on the Warner Brothers lot in Burbank as well. And um, so I would just bike to work every morning. Um, I could only buy as many groceries as I could fit in my backpack uh, because I would ride to the grocery store. And like, it was just a summer of running around and it was really fun. That was the summer that Movie Pass was out. So I would go to Burbank every weekend and see like 10 right. movies. That was the big Movie Pass. Summer. Yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> I loved every second of it. Um, and uh, so that internship was amazing. Um, I don't know if you have any specific questions about it, but it was just the everyone there is as nice as you think they are like Andy Richter's just like a dad and it's great that's amazing uh and then I met uh my now roommate Jam there who was also an intern there he was the only, he was the one guy that actually applied and got the interview <laughs> he just he yeah. had a great resume yeah I get, <laughs> he just had a good cover letter I think and um so we became friends and now we're roommates out here um that's that's awesome yeah and then went back I to school for a year would love to hear before we get into mm -hmm. it do you have any conan o'brien stories or any run-ins yeah uh himself? he fired me he fired you um so not actually but <laughs> i was walking in the office one day and sona his assistant uh was like really busy so, and so still his assistant yeah sona is yes. still his assistant um and she asked me, she was like, hey, could you get Conan some coffee? And I was like, yeah, for sure. And so I went over to the Starbucks on the lot and they know his order. So I was like, hey, can I get some coffee for Conan? And so they gave me like a nice coffee. And uh, I, I run back and she's on the phone and she's like, oh, you can just go into his office and get give it to him. And I was like, oh, cool. I get to like talk to him for a second. Mm -hmm. um, and so I like knock and then open the door and it's like a full writer's room meeting. And so it's just like all these really important people. And I'm just like, uh, here's your coffee. And he's just like, he takes it and he's like, oh, thank you so much. I like, I really appreciate it. And then he pauses and then he looks at me and he just goes, you're fired. <laughs> and everyone in the room was deadpan staring at me as if he was dead serious. And I just go, thanks. And then I leave <laughs> and, and, and I like close the door and then I hear him start laughing in there. And Sona looks at me and she goes, how'd it go? And I was like, I got fired. And she's like, oh, so not so bad then. Atlas Entertainment mm -hmm. was 2019. Mm -hmm. uh, for some reference, Atlas Entertainment has produced movies. They all just, the DC movies. All the DC movies. They just made The Suicide Squad. Mm -hmm. They have some Oscar nominations for American Hustle. Mm -hmm. They produced a television show, Dirty John, that was based on a podcast. The Dark Knight, 12 the Monkeys. Knight, 12 Monkeys. They, the original Suicide Squad, that was really bad. Yes, that one too. They, they have a slate of movies, but I yeah. do want to hear how to get the job and what was yeah. your experience with Oh, I should tell my horror story at you some should, point. You should. But I'll I tell that in a bit. How did I get that job? I... I, I think I could tell you I, if you don't remember. No, yeah. So I have <laughs> I have a uh, a friend named Kale who worked on the Avatar sequels for a long time, and so the he's the Avatar sequels that are that are still out. being made. Okay. <laughs> he just left because he was on it for four years and was like, I need a new project. <laughs> um, but uh, I've been talking. I was talking to him a lot about potential internships and things. And, and how do you know this? Your friend. Uh, I knew Kale 
through he was also another michigan person and his dad and my dad are like good friends mm. and so we met at like a baseball game and oh, we just nice. talked for a long time when i was like 14. much older than yeah yeah he's he, i think he's around 30. okay cool. um but he's been in it a lot longer than me he was a pa on like the transformers movies and uh uh iron man 3 and stuff like that um so when i met him he was a pa and I remember in my mind, I was like, one day, like, that'll be me. And I thought it was like such a cool position. And I still do, but it's just, I'm a lot more realistic about it. But I was talking to him and he gave me the uh, email of, do you remember his name? I think it was Eric. Yes, it was Yes, Eric. it was Eric. Eric was one of the assistants in Atlas's office and uh, we chatted for a while and then he managed to kind of get me in there. And Eric also went to Michigan State. Eric also okay. went to Michigan State, yes. yes. I believe besides us, almost everyone else went to Chapman University. I think we were the only two. We were the yeah. only two that- I was, <laughs> yeah, it was the same thing at Conan. It was, it was I went to Michigan State, uh, my friend Jam went to uh, Rhodes College and I think every single other person was either Chapman or um, I forget the other place. It was like UCLA or something. It wasn't UCLA, but something it, like it was it was just that. And they always like to hire out of those schools, those like local colleges. What was your experience there? I'm really curious. Like, how did you view it? Um, I so I had two internships. I had one at Universal Brand Marketing and one mm -hmm. at Atlas uh, for development. I really liked i i think it helped me decide that development was the track that i wanted to pursue uh, but i would love to hear your story if you feel comfortable talking about <laughs> have this. i ever told you it oh i was there yeah okay i just wanted to make yes. sure because um, i was pretty like standoffish after that day <laughs> but uh, uh let's, let's keep names out of it oh yeah absolutely we'll, uh, it's, it's a great story yeah so we i'll i'll uh censor a lot of it but basically me and Steven were sitting at our desk. We were writing some script coverage. Uh, for those who don't know what script coverage is, is basically you are given a script that has been sent into the office. You read it, uh, and then you basically type up, uh, type up like a full-on report uh, for an executive so that they don't have to go through all the work. Um, and so we're basically the filter for the office. And so you're writing down like marketability, uh, if it's decent, what could be better about it, all that kind of stuff. Yes. And so we were finishing up. Uh, I was finishing up some coverage, and me and Steven were talking about a uh, sitcom that I guess I shouldn't mention because then it kind of gets specific. But uh, we were talking about one of the actors in the sitcom, and uh, the actor happens to share a name with one of the people in the office. And so as I was typing a first, up, a first name, a first name, a yes. first name only. Um, and so as I was typing up the email to his assistant, instead of writing uh, the executive's name, I accidentally wrote um, the actor's name. And so I write, uh, I write, here's the coverage for so-and-so, and, -so, and um, I just sent it on through. I wasn't even thinking about it, just we were talking about it, and it was just a slip of the mind. Um, didn't even know I did it. And then uh, me and Steven went to set up lunch. We're setting up lunch for everybody, and uh, our boss walks up to us, um, and she says, she's like, hey, Justin, um, just so you know, uh, when you sent that coverage to uh, the executive, you accidentally wrote this name instead of his name. And I went, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Uh, like, honest mistake. And she goes, oh no, you're totally fine. Like, no worries. Uh, uh, not a problem at all. And uh, she's like, 
like unrelated he he'd like to talk to you like about the coverage um if you have a minute and i was i just said yeah sure like absolutely i i walk over to his office and i go i, I go hey uh i heard you want to talk about coverage and he goes sit down and or he says close the door <laughs> and i go okay uh, completely oblivious to what's about to happen and i close the door and he goes sit down and i go all right <laughs> And in my mind, I'm like, oh, yeah, I should apologize for the, the accidental uh, slip up of the name. And so I go, I go, hey, man, uh, I'm, I, again, I'm sorry about that. And he goes, what's my name? And before I can even get it out, I go, it's he cuts me off and he proceeds to cuss me out for, I think, four minutes straight. And he's just like, are you making fun of me? Do you think it's funny? I can't even get a word out because he's speaking so fast and so loud. I'm terrified. And uh, the one line that I really remember, because it's all blur to me, is he goes, he's like, I know a lot of people in this industry and now I know your fucking name. And I'm just trying. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to. And he goes, get the fuck out. And he just screams it. And I like run out of the office as fast as I can. And I like close the door and I'm just like stunned in silence. I, in my head, I'm like, okay, my career's over. Like it hasn't even started. That was an unpaid <laughs> internship and it's over. So I look at his assistant and I go, sorry about that. And he goes, it's fine. It's just a lesson for next time. As if he didn't just hear what happened. <laughs> and I, I go back to my desk and I sit down. I'm not working anymore because I'm just like, what's the point? It's all over. And uh, <laughs> he storms out of his office, goes into our boss's office, uh, talks to her for a while. He leaves. And then she comes out and she looks at me and she goes, hey, Justin, um, could you come in here for a minute? And I'm like, okay, cool. I'm fired now. Like, great. And uh, it was the third to last day of the internship, I remember. Um, and so I go into her office and she <laughs> starts it off by going, you're not in trouble. I go, okay. <laughs> I kind of like slouch into the chair next to her. And she goes, you, uh, I remember you were pretty traumatized. From, it, like, was it was terrifying. <laughs> I thought my entire life ended. <laughs> you're allowed to laugh now. but Yeah, no, it's I, hilarious I, now. I At the time, it was not funny. I remember. I remember Steven going like, hey, man, you good? And I'm just like. Yeah, like, <laughs> like and so I'm in I'm in my boss's office and I'm sitting there and uh, she's like, yeah, um, he was just uh, wondering, you know, like, like if you if you were trying to make fun of him, he kind of thinks it's like a joke with the interns uh, because someone else made the same mistake at the beginning of the summer. And I go, <laughs> I'm just so flustered just trying to think of how to respond to that she goes so were you just were you just like making a joke or and i stop her and i go okay why would i why would i joke about one of my superiors like why would i make fun of them so i explained that to her she's like okay that's what i thought that's what i thought and she's like um well yeah just uh for future reference you know just be more careful about it and i'm like yeah all right and uh I'm like kind of trying to not cry at this point. And I, I don't cry often, but like it was just it was so tense for me it's a lot. that I was just like that broke me. And uh, and so I'm sitting there and I'm like, yeah, he um, I don't think he had to cuss me out to get that point across. And she like stops and she's like, what do he say to you? I tell her and she goes, oh, he he can't do that. Um, <laughs> like he can't do that. And she goes, OK, um. So I'm going to go talk to HR. I want you to go take a walk. And I go, okay. And there's like a little park next to the building. And I, and I go for a walk. And uh, <laughs> and as I'm walking, I get a text 
that says, hey, HR wants to talk to you. And I'm just like, I just want this to end. I don't want any more to do with this. Yeah, it's this part of it. Yeah. And so I wanted nothing to do. I was like, it's whatever. Like, he doesn't have to apologize or any shit. I just want it to be done. I just go back to my desk and I just resume working. And then you were like, why are you being so weird for the rest of the day? I didn't know. And I was like, I'll tell you later. man. (laughs) And uh, yeah, that was that's my fun. My fun story about being an intern in the industry. (laughs) Yes, I that is probably one of the craziest stories I've, I've heard of of any person interning at any company yeah um to for some resolution Mm -hmm. i do not believe he works there anymore uh no he does not uh (laughs) my boss i was uh i was trying to get a camp counselor job before i moved out here just Uh for the summer and this is when covid started but i uh before it happened i texted our boss and i was like hey can i use you as a reference and she was like yeah for sure absolutely and then out of the blue, she just goes, oh, by the way, he doesn't work at Atlas anymore. <laughs> and I go, nice. <laughs> like, um, but yeah, that was that was my resolution a full year later. <laughs> That's amazing. That's great. really funny. I can share some fun experience that I had. Yeah. There were some some great people that worked there. Yeah. Though. Yeah, absolutely. But, yes. It wasn't. It wasn't. <laughs> he was the outlier. I want to say Atlas was a decent place. <laughs> it was a decent place. The assistants almost still in touch with some of them. Oh, too. really? Yeah. Oh, the assistants were great. Um, yeah. And we saw had some celebrity sightings. Mm-hmm. I remember we I think we went to Gabrielle Union's house together. What? No, we didn't. Someone we, else did. We, we went, went to somebody's house. You remember when we took those flowers? Yes. Yeah, so we we had to take an executive ordered a very very expensive vase of flowers to the office and we were responsible for taking it to I believe his house. <laughs> Whose house? This was Whose house was it? I don't remember. I don't remember <laughs> but we were taking it to his house for his wife and it was like very expensive and it like flowers were like falling off it because of how like precariously it was built and so they were like yeah can you take this justin i was like not by myself like this thing's the size of me right and, and i didn't have a car that summer yeah so i had so he, he stephen rode with me yes i never had to do any runs on my own because <laughs> i did not have a car i just remember <laughs> that the the flower vase was leaking the entire time so we that. get to his house and stephen's just like covered in water <laughs> just soaked and we were like driving up like uh uh uh, Mahalan Drive yes. and so it was just like a lot of splashing <laughs> and uh, steep hills yeah. splashing but we got to go in that house and it was really nice yeah but it was a really nice house I love that that's the perk is sometimes we get to see our boss's houses yes. I went to Charles Robin's house yeah oh what was that like it was it was nice it was yeah. a nice house it was right around the corner oh very cool up in the hills good for him <laughs> yeah yeah it was an easy commute yeah um I I remember I told Orlando Bloom where the bathroom was. That's a steward. Yes. I don't know if you were there that day. I wasn't there that day. You weren't. I told Orlando Bloom where the bathroom was. And I said it so frantically (laughs) that afterward he turned to the receptionist and then asked again where the bathroom was because he did not (laughs) give him good directions. There there was a fun time. We definitely had some good times. It It was the good work. Yeah. I feel no. like we learned some stuff. Yeah. I learned very definitively that office work is not for me mm-hmm. uh, just because I'm like super antsy. And, and that's great to know. Yeah. Very handy to find out. Um, that's the other good thing about what I've been doing is I've been learning. I've been basically just checking off positions on a set that I don't want to do. And so I'm just slowly narrowing it down. <laughs> and and yeah. that's exactly as you should be. We were yeah. talking 
about that a lot last week mm-hmm. with uh, my roommate Tyler, who worked on Hula's Pam and Tommy as mm-hmm. a reminder. But he had said for almost every position he's had, it's like, I've learned what I don't want to do. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I feel like it's so important to have those types of jobs yeah. because, like, the, the grass is always greener on the other side. So mm-hmm. you go to the other side and realize that that has just the same grass. Yeah. yeah. Like, I learned very quick. <laughs> I like that. It's my, it's my middle, middle, little metaphor I made yeah. up right, right here. <laughs> I learned very quickly, like, yeah, like, I thought maybe I wanted to be in lighting or something. I learned very quickly I don't want to be in the grip crew because uh, they're usually, like, really cool people, but, like, it's just an insane amount of work and my hips don't work very well anymore <laughs> so those, those hips yeah it's just like all the sports industry injuries come out from carrying the c-stands and i'm just like pretty over it um i also thought like maybe i want to be like a dp like a cinematographer mm-hmm. and i still might but uh that's an entire universe it's a whole new yeah path. and it can kind of feel like if you aren't directly involved like as the head of it it can feel really detached like creatively mm-hmm. from it all and you can kind of just feel like you're doing like a regular job and so i just kind of like my my dream is like as long as i'm doing something that's like creatively involved i'll be like happy like doesn't matter what it is so that's, it's just a matter of narrowing it down that's great and yeah. i mean i mean when you're looking for jobs now i mean i'm sure with the covid thing you're probably going to say one way but are you looking for jobs that like can creatively satisfy you right now or are you aware that like oh i'm putting in my dues i i know that eventually i will be doing what i want to do and i am pretty confident this is yeah what what i'm learning is it's a balance of when you first start out it's a lot of paying your dues it's years of paying your dues so i'm just starting that I'm, i'm at the very beginning of that um but what it is is it's it's a balance is what i'm learning is you're basically you're trying to find gigs that get you money that you can that'll like help you sustain like your livelihood and also gives you time to make your things. So in the, in a lot of my spare time I've been like writing or like trying to find like I'm my main goal right now is to build like a little squad that can just make our own shit on the weekends just like little things little mm-hmm. short films um so that we can practice our craft like ourselves you know like I can direct something that isn't like a million dollar like thing. I can just, I can go in zero dollars. I say, I'll buy you pizza at the end of the day, that kind of shoot, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, so it's a matter of finding like those real gigs that can get you like actual money so you can pay your rent. And then also finding the time to make your own little things to build up your own little portfolio so that you can kind of show that off when the time comes. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 yeah, it's the balance of life. I, I think that that's what, almost everybody should be doing out here. I mean, it's tough because like, you know, you come in, I I just entered the agency route uh, Mm -hmm. per se. And like, that's a very distinct thing of Mm -hmm. like, I probably do an agency for a few years. If I like it, I move up. If I don't, I move out. And uh, that's what my roommate's doing right now. I'm I'm locked in. Uh, That agency route is so much like paying your dues. It's important, I think, to pursue the dream though Mm -hmm. at, the time especially while we're still young in our early 20s there's no reason we shouldn't be creating stuff on the side yeah and seeing like oh you know like at the end of the day i want to be a producer but i wouldn't hate being a writer director Mm -hmm. showrunner producer it can be it can be easy when you're doing like the (laughs) like the shit-eating gigs like i like covid compliance ba like 
no one likes you and <laughs> you're just you're just a guy like just showing up telling people to put their mask on people who have been doing this for decades and so it can feel like really scary because like you want people to like understand that you're just doing a job and most of them are incredibly cool about it but like it it's a good reminder when you can make your own things because then you go oh that's why i love this like you're like doing you're making mistakes you're making something like that is your own little thing and you go oh maybe i can show this to someone and like they'll they'll enjoy it or not or something and it's it's a matter of uh finding that balance between like work which it can be really really fun and can also not be fun and it can it can be it can feel like work um and that's just like how it is and then it's also a matter of like finding your time to to do your own stuff right i mean i hope i never have to work at amlf because i love <laughs> yeah doing it yeah and that's the goal at the end of the day i hope everyone could be like that uh, but something i do want to touch on too it seems like like especially with COVID going on, I, I think that's a, a common theme throughout this podcast mm. because you're a COVID compliant. Yes, very VA. relevant to me. Um, but it seems like it has been, it was a good decision to move it out here, even though mm-hmm. there is a pandemic, even though it, it, like a lot of the jobs are remote and it's hard to meet people. It still seems like you being on set, it's been great to yeah. network that way. And also if you are looking for that eventual group of people to create something like that, you mm. can't find that not here. In, not in Michigan. In, no, not in Michigan. <laughs> there, uh, the way I've kind of viewed it is it can feel like really frustrating at times, especially when I first moved out here because there was nothing. Like mm-hmm. there was no work to be had, especially for like newcomers. Like they were only hiring people they knew. But uh, the way I've been viewing it is it's just like you're knocking over that really, really tiny domino at the start. And that domino will knock over a little bigger one and then a little bigger one. And that's just that's how it goes. And so it's it's going to feel like and they're going to be like spaced out and it's going to take a while. But eventually you're going to knock over bigger and bigger ones. And it's just like the perseverance is something you got to keep with you. I love that metaphor. I'm seeing it so exact. Yeah. And so like I started out with like a little job that I found on Instagram and now I'm like on a TV show. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that that's a great trajectory. And it yeah. seems like it's going to be a pretty big TV show. I'm sure I'm going to watch it. I love oh, comedy yeah. shows. I'm getting Paramount Plus for it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, well, I mean, going off of that, what are you watching? What's your taste of things? Ooh, right now? Like? Yeah. Oh, what a, a lot of... Um, I just started the new season of What We Do in the Shadows. Okay. Which is so good. I've been watching a lot of that. I've also been watching Ted Lasso. Who's uh, not watching Ted Lasso? It's, it's so, it has no right to be that good. It's like, it's show. incredible. I'm going to watch it when I go home after this. I, I should. <laughs> yeah, because I got the new too. episode. That's all great. And yeah. where, where are you living in LA, too? Uh, I'm out in West Hollywood right mm-hmm. now. I got very lucky with my place because West Hollywood's usually pretty expensive. Mm-hmm. But I moved out there in August last year, so peak pandemic. Um, so we got like a pretty good deal. And where do you spot. work in relation to that? Um, this week. Oh, it's, uh, it's different every time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and when we're you... doing some stage stuff, but it's a lot of on-location things. Oh, really? Yeah, so, so how does that work? Do you get a call sheet? Is it the night before? Is it a week uh, before? It's usually um, on Fridays, we'll get the call sheet for Monday, but it's usually during the day, we'll get the call sheet for the next day. Okay. Um, and you kind of adjust from there. And the... <laughs> is, uh, is there far commutes? Is it close? How... It can be. It can be all of that. Uh, I've had, so far with this job, I've had commutes that are like 10 minutes away and I've had things that are like 45 minutes away. 
and it's just a matter of showing up as early as you can. Mm-hmm. Um, yep, I, I have to, uh, when I report, I need to get there 15 minutes early because yeah. if I don't, I will be 15 minutes late. Right. I, that's, that, that's, my, that's how I work. Yeah, it's, um, a, it's a good rule of thumb for sure. Which is funny because like they uh, like legally you can't start working before your call time. Mm. So I'll show up there and then like not do anything until work starts. So. What do you do? You bring a book? What do you? Oh well, no, I'm only like 15 minutes early, so I'll yeah. just like talk to the other COVID PAs and then hey guys, get going. How are you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the this week I'm in the the production office um, doing COVID monitoring there. Nice. So that's just like downtown LA. Um, the scheduling speaking of scheduling though the the thing i'm really learning about being a pa mm-hmm. is uh time wise um i i like don't have a life currently this is like the first thing i've done since starting this job that's like not related to the job wow. um but uh you basically minimum you'll be doing like 12 hour days and uh monday i'll start at like five or around there so i think last Monday, I got up at 3.30 in the morning and then got to set by five to set up. Oh my goodness. And then- Is it, you, It's usually a 12 hour day like that? Uh, almost always. Like they, they don't, uh, for the code PAs, they don't really want us working more than 12 hours. So they usually send us home after 12, mm-hmm. but I've worked anywhere from 12 to 15. And are you shifted out like so that- Yeah, we're kind of staggered for all the PAs, but- um, Makes sense. Yeah, so then you work, uh 12 to 14 hours a lot of the crew works has been working like 14 to 16 every day uh which is why all those talks talks are going on with the unions right now Mm -hmm. um that i know nothing about but um yeah so you'll finish your monday at like 8 9 p.m and then they usually want to give you some turnaround time which is like 10 to 12 hours uh that's just kind of a courtesy thing uh so they'll give you turnaround and you'll start a little bit later the next day so you start at seven to eight and then do the same thing again. Next day, you'll start at like 10 to 11, and you'll keep going until you get to Friday, which I've heard referenced as fuck you Fridays, um, because you'll start at like 2 to 4 p.m., and then you'll wrap at like 4 in the morning. Wow. Um, and so oh the last two Fridays, that, that's, like that's that. been ha- how it's been for me. It's a life. It's, yeah, it's, it's a, a life. life. And then Saturday, you do laundry and sleep, <laughs> and then Sunday, you just get ready for the next day, and you do it again. I hope you're loving it. Yeah, no, it's good. I, I'm very happy to be there, um, even through all the, the the annoying things. It's it's very, very worth it. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, it's been a pleasure having you on. Thanks for having me, man. Of course. I'm, I, I'm glad I got to finally tell that story to people. Yes. I, I hope people can take something from it. Yeah, I hope, <laughs> I hope I've said something educational. Yes. I, I think you have. It's been really insightful. I mean, this COVID compliance PA position is so new and it's an interesting one yes it's really interesting i would love for everybody to kind of know the the new way of the world and it's a new way in i don't know i mean what do you think like have there been talks about this position going away is there anything like that we almost got rid of masks really we we were this close so in uh what was it july when they dropped the mask mandate Mm -hmm. um I was talking to one of the COVID people on set after that when the mandate came back. And he was like, yeah, we were about to drop masks on set. And if you were vaccinated, like you would have been good. But now with like Delta and everything, we're pretty much here to stay for the foreseeable future. Justin Dickerson, everybody. He is a COVID compliance PA on players. 
Um, I definitely will watch. I'm sure mm-hmm. Ross will too. Uh, but again, this is The Mail Room. Uh, my name is Stephen Arano. I'm the host and I interview up and coming entertainment industry professionals who are aspiring to make it. Uh, and I hope you can take something from their stories. And if not, just be interested from them because there's a lot of great things to hear. Mm-hmm. Share with your friends. Stephen's great. Oh, yes. He's doing it. He's killing it. I, I, I love being here. And again, I'm Stephen Arano, my brother Ross. Thank you for producing. And we will see you next time on The Mail Room. Bye, everybody. See ya.